We're in our second week uh, of our series, Unhurried. So good morning. Um, good morning. Yeah, thank you, Charles. Good morning. That's good. That's good. Um, it's interesting to think of this series. I know you've probably heard a lot of us say it, you know, just the busyness, the, the ongoing of, of just stuff, the activity. I know here at the Ministry Center, we've had a lot of activity with several Christmas parties, uh, events, um, just even in my own life, there's a lot of activity. And I think just as you have a lot of activity or contemplate what is going on, it's always appropriate for those who are followers of Jesus to take our cue to take our pace, not from society at large, but from Jesus and move at his pace. And so as we're in this second week of our series called Unhurry, we want to know that it's, it's kind of this Advent teaching series. And what Advent simply means, if you're familiar with that language or, or not, it's, it's the anticipation of the arrival of a person, an event, or an invention for us, we can slow down and reflect on the long-awaited promised Messiah and his eventual return. We sit in this time and place in history where Jesus has come, and as we, as we think about this time period in this moment, it's like, okay, Jesus came as a baby, he lived, he died, he rose again. We know that part of the story, but then we, there's a coming return that we are awaiting. So it's this in-between period where we're not really looking forward to the awaited Messiah because he's come, he's lived, he's, he's, he's reconciled, and he's shown us who he is, and God has revealed himself in Jesus, but yet not all things are quite as they should be Amen. that we await in his return. In many ways, we struggle with this agonizing now, but not yet. We experience power and, and the miracles and, and the, the faithfulness of his spirit in ministering to us, yet people still get sick and there's still struggle and there's still tears and there is still death. Jesus rules and reigns, yet we don't fully see it or experience it in every aspect of our life. Some, many may claim that Jesus is Lord, but not every knee has bowed yet, or every heart has yielded. Sometimes it's this awkward in-between that feels so painful. You know those moments where it's like they're just a little bit awkward, maybe it's in a conversation where there's this pause, and it's like, do we, do we part? And we go our separate ways? Do I ask a follow-up question to get to know the person more? Like, how do I segue this? Or it's like, the t- oh, um, I, I need a coffee refill. Time to, time to go. Because we've reached that, like, pause where we've maybe had a good conversation or a cordial greeting and wonder, should this continue or does this go on? And we, we try to fill that with all kinds of things. Some of us are more gifted than others. Some of us are, 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 are awkward and are just like, okay, time, time's up. Let's, what do I do with my hands? Like, let's, let's go. And it's this, this messy in-between that we, we don't always know how to navigate. And that's also true with things in our life. You, you think of something that, that you, you are maybe even expecting coming up 
and you're like, I know it's coming. I know it will be true. And you know, it's like, but you can't quite wait for it to get here. And, but you're not quite sure of all the details. I mean, maybe it's just, Gabe and I were, were just talking about, you know, are you someone who opens Christmas presents Christmas Eve or Christmas morning? And as you think about that, like just the opening presents, uh, with me with kids, it's like, man, I hope we've shopped well. Like, I hope they will find excitement. Like, I've done some of the legwork, but that, that experience hasn't quite yet arrived to know, I guess, for certain how that will look and seem. It's these awkward kind of in-between moments that sometimes cause a level of anxiety, of uncertainness, and, and we all do have different moments when we do better than other times of, of claiming or, or clinging to something that is a little more certain or tangible. The question really that I have for us this morning is as we think about the passage here in Matthew, is have you ever wondered why God sent an angel to inform Mary that she would conceive the Messiah by the Holy Spirit, yet force Joseph to agonize over what to do about Mary's pregnancy before sending an angel to him? There's an awkward in between. Imagine what those throbbing awkward hours or maybe even days must have been like for him joseph felt a twinge of anxiety he set something unusual by mary's request that he come as soon as possible when he arrived mary was standing under the tree near her father's house where as a betrothed couple they were given some supervised privacy Mary wasn't herself. She was staring at the ground. She seemed burdened. Mary, is something wrong? Joseph asked. She looked at him intensely. Joseph? I'm pregnant. A blast of shock and disbelief stunned him, blowing away all his coherent thoughts for a moment. Everything he thought the conversation could be about simply just disappeared. His knees locked and he almost buckled. He grabbed the tree to steady himself. It felt solid, rooted. He stared at her. He was numb. No words came. Everything seemed surreal. Mary was still looking at him with her intense eyes. And as he looked back into hers, he saw no shame in them, no defensiveness, no defiance, not even tears. They looked innocent, and they were searching his eyes for an answer. Mary broke the charge, silence. What I need to tell you next, I don't even know how to say. Joseph leaned harder into the tree, bracing himself. He looked down to Mary's feet. Her feet, they looked just the same as they did when he believed she would be only his. That's what made everything so strange, his thoughts raced. Mary looked 
as innocent as she ever did. She looked as normal and as calm as she ever did. If she had been the flirtatious type or even some discernible had some discernible character weakness, this news might have been comprehensible. But Mary was literally the very last person he would have suspected of unfaithfulness. He could not imagine her with another lover. And he didn't even want to know who it was. Breaking into Joseph's thoughts, Mary said, I, I know this will be very difficult to believe, but I need you to listen to me. Still looking at Mary's feet, Joseph's nod was barely detectable. Mary said, I have not been unfaithful to you. Joseph's mind raced, lifted his eyes to hers from the feet from the, to the ground up. Rape? That might explain her innocence, but why wouldn't she have told me as anger started to rise within him? God caused me to become pregnant, Mary interjected. This statement fluttered around his mind looking for a place to land. It found none. Mary began again, Joseph, I know how it sounds, but I'm telling you the truth. Mary then began to describe an angelic visit, how she was deeply troubled, how her life flashed before her eyes. The fear of the implication of coming forward with such a claim, pregnant out of wedlock, pregnant with the Messiah, pregnant by God. Then what about Joseph's response and the town's response? But then how the message from the angel strangely calmed her though she now knew that an awkward conversation with Joseph was next. She felt strangely confident that God would work this plan together. She was not worried about Joseph's reaction, but knew that she would take the courageous step. While awkward and uncertain, and confide in Joseph and tell him the truth. The message that she was to bear a son conceived by the Holy Spirit, who would be called the Son of the Most High, who would sit on David's throne forever. God was the baby's father. Mary was going to be pregnant, was pregnant with the Messiah. She sounded as sane as Joseph had ever seen. Nothing about her was different, except that she was claiming to be pregnant with God's child. He felt like his brain was exploding. She was adding blasphemy to adultery. He could not conceive of her being capable of either. This was the Mary he knew. The silence was long, his brain racing a million miles a minute. Questions, trains of thought, scenarios, straining at the seams with tension. I don't even know what to say to you, Mary. I can't even think straight. I believe I need to be alone. So Joseph segued that conversation and spent the late afternoon walking up on the brow of the hill that overlooked Nazareth. Things were clear up there. And from this height, he could see the Sea of Galilee to the east and to the west, he could see the blue Mediterranean on the horizon. But he could not see how Mary's story could be true. There was nothing like this in the Torah or the prophets that he could remember as he racked his brain. 
God, show me what to do. He must have prayed a hundred times. He pleaded, he cried, he yelled. The sun was setting as Joseph reached the nearly finished house that he had been working on. For this was to be their home. He was just spent that morning working on the roof. He'd be dreaming of the happy voices of children, his and Mary's children, that would someday fill this house. That dream was now dead. He was exhausted from running through the scenarios in his head, thinking about Mary and what this meant for her, thinking about his own life and what this meant for him, searching the archives of the law in his brain for some clarity from the Lord. But his decision was made. Strong resolve in his heart. Mary's claims were too incredible, maybe even delusional. He needed to end the betrothal. But he resolved to do it as quietly as possible, to shield Mary from the avoidable shame. For he still loved her. He knew that to be a God-honoring man, he needed to practice mercy as he contemplated what might be next. That night he fell asleep exhausted from grief. And when the angel came to him and resurrected his dream with a wildness and wonder that was beyond comprehension, Jesus would come to save all humanity from their sins. And Joseph found a strong confidence in the Lord once again. For he rose and did as the angel instructed. It's interesting. God chose Joseph for his role just as he chose Mary for hers. But he dealt with them differently. I think he could have told them in advance both what to expect. Might have been helpful. But he dealt with them differently. He informed Mary and prepared her and her heart, but didn't prepare Joseph. And so what God did is, while my creative liberties may be a little bit there, he allowed what must have been a horribly awkward conversation to happen. For Mary had to go and tell Joseph. And Joseph had a decision to make. See, at that point, Joseph had fate, was going to face or faced a very painful decision. And God did not rescue him from it immediately. He allowed Joseph to struggle in grief and bewilderment for a time. Being a just man, Joseph assessed Mary's claims and the integrity of his heart and I think we can assume with a deep trust in God, he made the best decision he could. One he believed with both just and merciful. He assessed that situation. He considered this scenario. And he resolved in his heart to end the soon-to-be marriage. But what's amazing is with that decision, 
with that resolve, it ended up turning out to be the wrong one because God was doing far more abundantly than Joseph could ask or think. And that's when God, full of mercy, intervened. He gently corrected Joseph and gave him the guidance he needed. See, God will not spare us from all the awkward and painful decisions we may face in life. Neither will he spare us from all the wrong decisions resulting from our fallen finiteness, even if they are made from the integrity of our hearts. God has his purposes in all of these, but what we can trust him to do is faithfully give us the correction and guidance we need at the time he deems is right. For God is not in a hurry, while we might be, to get past those awkward moments, to rush past those painful decisions. For at a specific time, God promised a Messiah. See, God utilized an angel and a dream for Joseph. And you may be wondering, does he offer the same clarity to us? What I can say about Joseph is that it starts with the desire, an awareness of what we seek. Joseph sought righteousness. He assessed the claim, he assessed the scenario, and he sought righteousness. When you are in a season of awkwardness, when you're feeling like you're waiting for an arrival, when you're pleading with God, God, give me an answer, give me clarity, when you're grieving about what has just happened and what you want to happen, we can take our cue from Joseph to seek righteousness. Jesus later says, and it's recorded in Matthew 5, verse 6, this who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed, and they will be filled. That word filled there means satisfied or completed. That you will have a wholeness to your life when you seek righteousness. Righteousness comes from connection with the Lord, from receiving his love, from being attached to him, so that no matter what circumstance or situation you may face, it does not shake you because you are attached to the one who is unshakable. And when we crave other things, we generally find a level of incompleteness or emptiness. We're trying to grasp something that can't really sustain us. It's like a fog or a smoke that we think we can see it, and if we can just grab and latch onto, then we'll be okay. But it slips through our fingers because it's not real. We can't be filled or satisfied by something that is futile as a mist or a fog. It's why during the holidays you can have all the trimmings and trappings and people shouting, be joyful, yet feel empty yet feel unsettled as if something's just still at times not quite right. Because you know you can play nice at a family gathering, but you know Aunt Susie is still bitter towards Grandma. And Bobby takes advantage of every well-meaning relative by asking for a handout. And Uncle George just spouts politics, and you just want him to demonstrate a level of kindness. And you wonder... 
how does this all work? Because you know that while you'll be together for a happy family gathering with all the tension and family trauma, two weeks will go by and then you'll all go back to not speaking. We often long for healthy family dynamics, just as an example here. Yet we are generally fearful about what painful decisions might need to be made to achieve it. Will anyone confront the patriarch? Will anyone truly love or discipline the kids? Will anyone actually make a decision about or talk about that thing that's been put in the closet so that the family can finally experience some healing? So we've got to begin to trust that as we seek righteousness that comes from a connection with the Lord, that God in his grace will bring a clarifying scripture for that moment exactly when we need it. And that family dynamics is just an example. But I'm sure there's all things in our lives where we want things to work out just a certain way and we don't really talk about them. And so maybe we're forced to. We just kind of distance them and put them away. And while our soul may cry out to, to address it, and we wonder, what do I do here? God, give me some wisdom. And as you assess your situation, may you begin by seeking righteousness that only comes through receiving the love and attachment that comes from Jesus. And also consider that you should consult your sources. The angel quotes Isaiah 7:14 to Joseph. Yeah, in my creative retelling, Joseph couldn't remember it, but there was something of truth in the word that was available to him to give him the courage and the comfort he needed. As you consider and consult Maybe, maybe this moment, maybe this holiday season, maybe it's nothing related to the holidays. Maybe it's just a life stage for you right now. The kids are grown and out of the house. Maybe it's uh, the coming of a new one. Maybe it's a job transition or, or a new kind of change or struggle in, in, in something else. That if you consult the word that there is, the word will respond and the spirit will give that to you as the angel and as the prophet eventually gives to Joseph. And your other source is always community. You know, it's funny that, that Mary in Luke chapter 1 goes to visit Elizabeth, who we're going to actually discuss next week. But Elizabeth's pregnancy with John the Baptist serves as an example for Mary. That, that God went before Mary in the form of providing for Elizabeth and Zechariah and an example and an encouragement so that when Mary then goes and visits Elizabeth, Elizabeth is then a comfort for Mary yeah. and her impending due date. And what's amazing is as we see both Mary and Joseph in this confusingly awkward situation, they both do something. Joseph decided... And yet was responsive as the Lord corrected. Mary decided to be truthful and tell Joseph. And the Lord provided. 
Sometimes we push decisions or difficult conversations down the road, not because of divine direction, but because of our own insecurities. And the delaying of these difficult conversations, of these difficult or painful decisions, the delaying of these actually robs you of peace. Because think about it. You actually push forward and you, you, that consumes your heart and your mind and you try to distract yourself. And some, some of us, we even fill our schedules with so much stuff so we don't actually have to think about it. We, we try to distract ourselves and fill our lives. We try to numb ourselves to give us a sense of peace and in, that, in the process rob ourselves where true peace actually comes from. See, peace comes from the pace of presence, the presence of Jesus. We need to actually have some room for God to speak, to take our cue from his pace. We don't exactly know what the rest of Joseph's day was like, but it's definitely telling that the angel didn't show up to speak until he was asleep. Some of us fill our lives morning to night with so much activity action, effort, and we've never created room for God to speak. We're asking God to speak, and then we run. We never slow down to listen. And sometimes we wonder, and I wonder, if God has been speaking all along, and I've just filled myself and my life with so much stuff that I don't actually hear what he's been saying all along. See, that promise from the word was in the word. That a virgin would be with child and bring forth Messiah. See, peace comes from the pace of presence. And true peace is experience when the presence of Jesus reminds you that your significance, security, or sense of identity is not threatened by potential outcomes. That true peace is experienced when your significance, security, or sense of identity is not threatened by potential outcomes. This means that some of you who just go and do something maybe need to come to terms that God may be dealing differently with you than others. To quit looking at the pace of others and step into the pace that the Lord is leading. Be paced by Jesus. find his tempo. Sometimes I think during this times of year, especially in times of generosity and activity, and even us here at Generations, we, we invite you to serve with Santa's posse, and, and we want to, to cultivate and affirm that, that, that this season is one of generosity, of God's goodness and his generosity. But as you hear these urgent calls, maybe to participate in a Christmas Eve or serve with Santa's posse, I know that some of you may already f- live with a low-level guilt that comes from like, hey, I already know I'm kind of not doing enough. Is this just one more thing to do? You know, I, I don't need to be told just to slow down one more time. I already know I need to slow down one more time. And I think the comfort that the Savior offers to us is the one that was offered to Joseph. See, Joseph didn't have to save Mary. That Jesus would do that for both of them. And he needed that name 
that reminder that Joseph couldn't change the scenario, that Mary couldn't change the scenario and the outcome, but Jesus, the coming Messiah, would fulfill all the law and the prophets, that he would save the people from their sins, both their good intentions and their bad ones that go away and astray. What's amazing is that Joseph didn't have to do it all because Jesus would complete it all. He would provide the satisfaction and completeness that is only possible in him. And we can even look back on Jesus' life that Jesus didn't do it all. He didn't meet every need. He left people wanting in line to be healed. He left one town to preach to another. He hid away to pray. He got tired. He never interacted with the vast majority of people on the planet. He spent 30 years in, in training and only three years in ministry. He did not try to do it all, and yet he did everything God asked him to do. He took his pace from his father. He responded to the Spirit. May we be people who do the same. As the Lord leads and guides during this season, as I know he is faithful to do, may you not try to fill your schedules with stuff because of other expectations of others, but may you humbly ask, Lord, what am I to do? What pace are you moving at? What is the tempo? What is the beat that you would have me respond to and as you consider and assess and evaluate your scenario and your circumstance may you seek righteousness may you seek his word and may you seek comfort and wisdom from others and as you ask well how do i know what is the lord's voice and what is something else May you consider, where is that motivation in your heart coming from? To do, or to be, or to have? Is it coming from some childhood trauma, or some expectation of a parent, or a child, or, or someone else? And you can evaluate that and consider that and say, well, at this moment, Lord, what helps me be most present with you? Respond to your spirit the best and truly love others. Because I can't save everyone, Amen. nor are you called to. Right. Trust that Jesus is enough. Amen. Trust that Jesus will complete yes. others Amen. just as you are finding your wholeness and completion in Him. Because one more thing to have, one more family dynamic to control. Just a little bit more money to buy that thing. Just that, that won't be enough. And you don't need me to tell you that. You know that in your soul. Because as you've tried that before, you felt a level of emptiness there. And so as the band comes forward and we sing and we respond in our last song, may you just consider... See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will be with him. And they will name him Emmanuel, 
which means God is with us. God has not abandoned you. He has not forgotten you. He longs to draw near. For he is with us. May we trust God to be true to that promise, to that reality. May we not rush past the awkwardness, the difficult decisions, and sometimes maybe the painful realities. May we consider these things and trust in the Lord and take our pace from him. Let me pray for us. God, you are good. Here in this moment, just help us hear from you. May we not get so consumed with the past or the future. Just take a moment to experience your presence right here, right now. Thank you for being faithful and sending Jesus. And as we await his return, thank you for being faithful and fulfilling your word and giving us guidance and giving us the spirit to help us in our everyday life. Thank you for that truth and for that reality. May we not be in a hurry. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.